0: Holy Father, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there is this ongoing phenomenon that I just find fascinating the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> if, if you've never, or if you have ever watched a Hallmark movie, you'll recognize it. But if if you haven't, let me describe it to you. Um, There's usually a basic premise uh, two abnormally good-looking people (laughs) who have um, had some trauma or some past hurts find themselves in a lovely setting. Maybe it's um, Grandpa's farm in Washington State, or um, it could be a coastal town where there's... Um, all these cute cottages, or um, maybe it's a small village in France. I mean, they cover it all. Um, and one or both of the main characters, you know, they, they come into this uh, meeting and, and they do have something in their past. They're hurt. Something's been broken. They long to be loved, and suddenly they're being pursued by this person who um, is kind of the the man or the woman of their dreams and they fulfill all their soul has been missing. It's just miraculous. And this person gets them. There's always there, that aha moment in the movie where this person knows them all of a sudden and they're unified by commitment and they live happily ever after at the end. Well, How can Hallmark, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, how can Hallmark keep cranking out these movies day after day and week after week? And why are these movies such a staple for us, for so many viewers? Um, Even though the storyline is pretty predictable and contrived, here's what I believe to be the answer. Hallmark movies speak to every human being's deepest longing to be pursued by affection, to be rescued from our lost, lonely, broken condition, and ultimately to be chased down by an inescapable love. Here's the thing. This longing for an inescapable love is only ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. I think Hallmark movies, and fairy tales, and um, romance novels, many of them or all of them can be traced back time and time again to Jesus, who is the true lover of our souls. And that's why our title for this year's study is Egypt to Canaan, the Inescapable Love of God. Last year's study of Genesis um, introduced us to God's unfolding plan of redemption for his creation. This year, when we study Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, we'll see that unfolding plan come more and more into focus as the nation of Israel is pursued and redeemed, delivered, and set apart for God's glory and the restoration of the whole cosmos. The refrain that's repeated by God in the book of Exodus is let my people go. He is persistent and pursuing. And when it comes to his children, God does not take no for an answer. In the weeks ahead, in the weeks ahead, we'll see his merciful, patient, just holy, persistent, pursuing, refining, relentless love on display throughout these pages. In Exodus we'll see God's covenant promises to Abraham unfolding as he redeems and delivers this nation that's going to bless all nations. This morning we'll briefly consider the background of the book of Exodus and then we'll see how it relates to the rest of the Pentateuch. Pentateuch is a word that's de- derived from Greek from two Greek words, penta which means five and Tukos, which means scroll. And that's the name for the first five books of the Bible as known in the Hebrew language. Um, they also call it the Torah or the law, you may have heard. So on, according to your outline, and if you're new to class, each week you'll get a little outline based on the teaching. So you're free to take notes on that and follow along as, as you like. But um, number one, we're going to consider the theme of Exodus Through their redemption and deliverance, Israel experiences the revelation of the one true God. Now as God's chosen messenger, Moses will clearly receive and deliver God's intentions toward his people. Hear these words from Exodus 6, 6 6-8. This is from the ESV version of the Bible. to Isaac and to Jacob I will give it to you for a possession I am the Lord well near the end of the book of Genesis remember Jacob's offspring initially left Canaan and they came to Egypt at God's direction to escape the horrible famine that had overtaken Canaan and over four generations they have lived in the midst of this Egyptian culture which celebrated a host of of pagan gods and lots of rituals the Hebrews find themselves marginalized and horribly oppressed at the start of Exodus but God will not only answer their cries for deliverance he is about to make his name famous and remove all doubt that he alone is the one true God the God of Israel and he is the God of every person in the universe He's the ruler and the king of everything seen and unseen. Our second point. So we're going to set the stage for Exodus by um, covering the five W's. I, I had a degree in journalism, so I still fall back on that. So the five W's. Who, what, where, when, and why. So who is the author of the book of Exodus? The same man inspired by the Holy Spirit who wrote Genesis and the rest of the Pentateuch. Moses Moses was called a prophet of God. He was raised as a prince of Egypt, educated in the midst of the most sophisticated culture of that day. He was a friend of God. In the book of Genesis, he remains unnamed. We didn't hear about Moses at all last year. But he is God's leading man. Joshua 8:30 30 through 32 makes clear the authorship of Moses. It'd be difficult to find a man who was better qualified, better equipped to compose this broad brushstroke history of Israel. And most importantly, Jesus Christ himself recognizes Moses as the messenger of God's law. Jesus says in John 5, 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. If you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And then in Luke 24, 44, when Jesus appears to his disciples, this was after his resurrection, to speak to them about the kingdom of God, he said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me In the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So between his resurrection and his ascension, Jesus spent 40 days speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of God and essentially unpacking all that Moses had foretold about him. Those are good credentials. Our study this year will confirm an essential truth. All of Scripture is about Jesus Christ, including these pages of the Old Testament. So, the second W, what was Moses' purpose for writing Exodus? He was appointed by God to keep an account of God's mighty work to continue the narration of God's plan of redemption after the fall in the Garden of Eden. So last year in our study of Genesis, we... Learned of God's covenant promises to Abraham. And he promised to make Abraham a father of many nations, remember? And Exodus was recorded to display that development of a nation, the nation of Israel that was chosen by God to bring his rule to bear on earth. So the where and the when. The book of Exodus is generally dated by scholars around 1445 B.C. before Christ, And it was likely composed during the 40-year wilderness journey from 1445 to about 1405 B.C. Moses probably kept a record of God's miraculous doings, his workings, and then edited edited it on the plains of Moab not long before his death. And why? Why is Exodus important? Is it just a dusty old book, a history of a people that... We feel unattached to. No, it's the scaffolding for the rest of the Old Testament, and it's crucial for understanding the history of Israel, which, if you think about it as Christians, is our family history, too. It gives us a technicolor, spectacular display of God's acts of redemption, and it foreshadows the arrival of the ultimate Redeemer and Deliverer, Jesus Christ. Messiah. Let's look um, for brief a brief minute at the unity of the Pentateuch. This is your third point on your on your sheet. Well, if you step back and look at the book of Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as a complete unit, you can see there's a cohesiveness of the Pentateuch. It's there's a continuity there. A continuity of the story from man's beginnings, his need for redemption from slavery, the progressive spiritual development of this people of Israel as they're directed and they're nurtured by God in a special way. I think this continuity between all the books is another proof that one man, and it was Moses, compiled the entire Pentateuch. Look at how the story of God's inescapable love unfolds across the pages of all five of these books. So in Genesis, we saw God the creator, and he established his plan of redemption to call his chosen nation. In Exodus this year, we'll see God the deliverer and his people redeemed. In Leviticus, we'll observe God the sanctifier, teach his people how to be holy. In Numbers, we'll see how God, the sustainer, directs his people by testing them and refining them. In Deuteronomy, we'll see how God, the covenant keeper, reminds his people that obedience carries with it preservation, blessing, and a promise of grace. Finally, in Exodus and the life of Moses, we'll see portraits of Christ. So throughout Exodus, we'll see, in the life and the call of Moses, beautiful representations of our savior god's intent right from the start was to endow his people with a sure and certain hope through the foreshadowing the foreshadowing of the messiah that was to come we'll see in a variety of ways how moses was a type of christ typologies all through this book moses functioned as a prophet a priest and a king or his people, and those were all offices that were held by Jesus. There are specific parallels between the infancy of Moses and the infancy of Jesus as a human baby. Later, when we study the feasts, we're going to observe um, the feasts of Israel. We'll see how each of those points to some aspect of the ministry of Jesus. Even the design of the tabernacle, which is in your curriculum packets that you'll get today, represents and reveals the person of Christ and his way of redemption, even the tabernacle. So I don't want to give away all the beautiful discoveries that we're about to uncover together. You will uncover these yourselves this year as the Holy Spirit leads you in your studies. I'm so excited for you. And my prayer is that as you study in the weeks ahead, you keep your eyes wide open to see Jesus here. In these pages of Exodus and the rest of the Pentateuch, calling you. He's pursuing you. He's redeeming and refining. He's equipping. He's sending us. And he's also lavishing us with his love, his acceptance, and his peace. And that's in his true word. Our main lesson today in Exodus is we'll see God's. Covenant promises to Abraham unfold as he redeems and delivers Israel. Israel's a nation that is going to bless all nations, and the line of Christ comes from them. This book is so foundational in following the history of Israel because it's an inextricable key to our own family history, our own genealogy in the faith because in this book in these books we'll see the picture the promise of our savior and our redeemer and king let me close our time in prayer holy father you are holy righteous and worthy of all our praise and adoration and we are so grateful so grateful to be in your presence together every woman sitting in this place is here not by accident but by your design some of us come here with deep hunger and expectancy desperate for the nourishment of your word some of us come weary and overwhelmed not quite sure that we have time to spend on a class like this each week father open our eyes to see that nothing and no one compares to you. In reality, there isn't one thing in this world that affects my life more than how I think of you. The more I see you in scripture, the the more I understand why you alone are worthy of my deepest devotion, my most passionate affection. As we open your word together this year, help us to see afresh that all of history speaks of you as the creator and giver of life, as the lover of our souls. It's in the patient and pursuing name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So I saved all of our class business till the end, so we don't have to open the door yet because I got <laughs> to lay some things out of here for them. Um, First of all, I want to start by thanking the sweet girl over here, Rebecca Peterson. I was joking. Um, I was joking to Steph Snyder last night. I said, "I bet when Rebecca's phone buzzes and she picks it up and sees oh, it's Stephanie, Ida. <laughs> Uh Because we had to talk so many times, texts and emails, but she's been so. Um, gracious in helping us prepare for class. And also, Carrie Myers, who you will meet um, this year. She is uh, the newest member of the Women's Ministry team. And many of you have met our new Women's Ministry Director, Steph Snyder, who you're going to get to know even better this year. Um, so, thank you to all these sweet women. Thank you to Maria Sorbera. When you walk by the reception desk out here, she is the cute, short little girl that works behind the desk. And she helped reserve our rooms and does so much. So, um, thank her, too, when you see her. Um, you've met me. I'm Stephanie Edick. You'll get to know me more this year um, because I am on the teaching team. We have three other fabulous teachers on the teaching team. We have Bishop Harrington, who was with us last year. You might as well stand up. This is Bishop. Um, we have Paula Slack. She's a balcony girl, way up there. And um, then this year, we have added Steph Snyder, to our teaching team our new women's ministry director so we're so thrilled to be able to enjoy her wisdom too you know having a teaching team is a concept that i really feel strongly about because it's going to help you guys see scripture and god's word in different ways you know it's like turning over a diamond and seeing the different facets and different colors so I'm so grateful for these gifted women um, our returning children's leaders are Dana O'Kelly and Lucy Van Cleve. They are such gifted teachers. I call them my child whisperers. They, if you're bringing your children here to um, class, thank you for bringing your children to sit at the feet of Jesus each week. It's such a beautiful obedience on your part and they will love what they learn this year. So um, we have a great uh, teaching team and great children's ministry um, team here. Julia Christensen is our hospitality coordinator, and you can thank her for the baskets of goodies that are in the reception hall. Each each week after we finish our lecture time, there's a little time built in for you guys to grab a snack, some hot tea, or coffee uh, before you go off to your discussion discussion groups. And secret, there's also another coffee and hot tea station, second floor. No, there's not. There's not? Get, Get your coffee and hot tea down here. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And I, you'll notice all the construction in the church. I, do. to me, construction smells are like new car smells. I love the smell of drywall and paint. So, anyway, so no, no more, um, just here, get your next year. Um, and you may have noticed in the kiosk, we had a little backup today where we're, we're getting our system going. But each week, if you would, when you come in, um, Put your phone number in one of those cute little kiosks the phone number that you use to register it'll ask you to check in you push your name a little green light will come up to show that you checked in and a name tab will pop out from the bottom Um, we're not trying to track you we're not turning your names into any government it's just so that we can have you on a roster and it's a quick way for us to communicate to the classroom in, in case of Um, a cancellation or something comes up. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch with you. So do get a name tag. It also helps us get to know each other. We have so many new friends in our class this year and um, you have time to socialize and touch base with each other when you're in here. Um, But we do wanna give the mamas. So if you see somebody with a child trying to register, they get first priority because they're trying to get their kiddos to the nursery. Those of us, if you didn't get a name tag earlier, you can also get your name back after lecture when you go to get your snacks and drinks. So it all works out. But do, do use, use uh, take advantage of that system we have up there. It's great. Um, honestly, our Grace and Truth small group leaders are what make this class the loving, encouraging place that it is. So I'm so grateful for each of them. And God has brought some new leaders to our team this year. Um, they're answering the call in obedience. Um, They will kind of go over everything with you and your curriculum packets when... um, I'm going to go through the different names of the small groups and tell you what rooms you're in, so get a pencil ready, but when you do go to your small group room, you'll find your curriculum packet up there as well as a copy of the lesson calendar. If you go in and out of town, you will not lose your place in our class, but that lesson calendar will help you keep up with what lesson we're covering on any specific day, so that's a good tool. Um, if you are, when I read these um, classrooms, most of them are on the second floor. Know that we do have an elevator. It's down the main hall just past the stairway railing on your left. Feel free to use that to get to the second floor. Some of you have new classrooms. Um, a few, most of you may have been in the same classroom you were in last year, but just listen to the to the numbers, and if you don't, if this classroom doesn't sound familiar, somebody can help you find it. Um, Cedar Spring, well with the construction, do we still have those little blue name ta- uh, numbers on the corners that tell them room numbers? Maybe not. I don't know. I'll try to describe it to you as I read these, okay. Um, so we have two classes, two groups on the first floor. Paula Slack and Betty Lamar's group is in B137. Straight down this hall on the left is, is known as the conference room. Mary Ellen Terrence and Bisha Harrington are in B139, first floor. It's also known as the prayer center. Everybody else is on the second floor. So on the second floor, oh, my word, my other paper's missing. Uh, (laughs) And Tina Pompas are in B237. So that's upstairs, kind of the center of the hallway along the railing. Um, Rosemary Graziano and Betsy Kite, you're in your same room, B201. Gail Guyton and Kitsy Starkey, you're in your same room, this last year, B223. So if you go up the stairs and just keep walking straight, you'll dead end right into the room. Um, Jenny Burkhart and Cheryl Taylor, You're in B226, that's the Kingston Pike side upstairs, upstairs hallway. Um, Rebecca Peterson is in B211, same as last year, it's known as the Parlor. Uh, Mine and Julia Christensen's group is B232, the Kingston Pike side of the building. Denise Washburn and Patty Barnes, you're in a new class this year. You're in B 234 slash 236. It's kind of a combined room. You're also on the Kingston Pike side. And Paige Wink and Becca Reed are in B 228, also the Kingston Pike side. That's a busy hallway. Um, so, as I said, your curriculum packets and a copy of the class calendar will be in there for you, waiting for you. Um, if you signed up, It'll be waiting for you. If you popped in this morning and you didn't register, we will need you to register out in the reception hall. And Rebecca would, uh, or the staff would love to sign you up and get you uh, registered for the class at that time. Um, I think that's everything. So next week, according to your little class calendar you'll get, we'll be covering Lesson 1 in Exodus. And it's six chapters. So buckle up girls, but you know what, <laughs> the thing about this year, and I will tell you this as a point of encouragement, the most important thing is not what you hear up here necessarily, it's your time spent at God's Word. So with your homework, don't let it overwhelm you, know that God's Word is a blessing and it's, it's meant as a love letter, that inescapable love that He's written about for you. So spend time reading and Preparing as you go to do your homework. And 30 minutes a day, it's broken down in sections. You can do it. We're praying for you. We're so glad you're here. And enjoy your small groups. You're dismissed.